We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And because it's almost summer, that means you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. My personal favorites are the Holbrooks, just a clean, classic look. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and do your research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands and can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We are live right now on AMP. So those of you who are joining me over there, welcome in. You're going to have an opportunity to call into the show. We'll talk some Lakers basketball. If you're watching over on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash LakersNation, listen to the podcast version over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Welcome to all of you as well. Plenty to talk about. Regarding the Los Angeles Lakers, tons of things going on uh, in the draft world. When we look at what's going to be coming up, the NBA draft coming up, of course, June 22nd, inching closer. We're almost there. And then free agency starting just about a week after that. And of course, trade rumors are going to pick up. As Jake Fisher noted today, um, Jake Fisher is one of the, the best news breakers in the NBA. He's been on our programming before, um, and I plan on having him on again in the future. Uh, the trade rumors are going to pick up. This is the type of uh, the time of year when execs start coming back from any kind of scouting trips they've been on, any kind of little vacations they snuck in, all that. People start coming back into town, and trade talks are going to pick up in terms of not just the volume, the number of trade conversations that are happening around the NBA, but also the seriousness of them. Instead of just exploratory, hey, what do you guys think about this? How do you view uh, this player or that player or this pick or whatever? Trying to figure out how teams uh, add value to different situations, to different assets, how they value things. Instead of just fact-finding, they're actually trying to make deals, trying to find ways to get something done. And of course, that's only going to pick up every single day as we get closer and closer to the NBA draft. A number of picks could be on the move. I look at Portland at three. I look at Dallas as 10 at 10 is two prime examples of teams that could indeed be moving draft picks. But uh, the Lakers at 17 are going to be an interesting one to watch as well. I like that pick a lot. I think there's going to be some interesting opportunities for the Lakers at 17. Uh, some really, really uh, interesting prospects, some guys who could be very, very good, some guys who could be rotation players for them right out of the gate. There's also some guys who could be projects for long-term. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. We'll also talk, of course, about the trade market. Does it make sense to trade the pick? Does it make sense to move players? Does it make sense to move Mobamba, Malik Beasley? Is it better to simply cut those guys, move on? So many different things. And that's, you know, before I start bringing in callers, which I'm going to do in just a moment here on AMP, I've already opened things up for callers to chime in. Um, but this is the off-season of decisions 
in the past, it's been very clear. The past few seasons, in fact, it's been very clear exactly what the Lakers are working with. Okay, they have this draft pick or they don't have any draft pick like we saw last year. Maybe they last year it was maybe they buy a second round pick and then they have their taxpayer mid-level and veteran minimums. And that was it. And so you knew very clearly what the Lakers were working with. This offseason, we've got potentially cap space. They could be a cap space team if they choose. They could have a mid-level exception. They could have the biannual exception. They could have both the mid-level and the biannual. They could have neither of those, but have the taxpayer mid-level. They could have no exceptions, no mid-level, no biannual, no taxpayer mid-level, none of that. That's also possible depending on what choices they make with their own free agents, what choices they make on the trade market, what choices they make on draft night. All of these things are all interconnected and there are so many different ways the Lakers can go. And I love it because that opens things up a ton for us to talk about. Uh, before I, I start taking in callers, which again, the, the line is open. I see a bunch of you queuing up already. But before I start taking callers, the last thing I'll mention is if you're joining me live over on AMP, uh, please make sure you are following the show at Trevor Lane. It's the way to find me on there. Again, follow the show right there on AMP. All right, let's get into it. I know I had some people that uh, I promised that I, I would bring them on for this show. Um, and I do have Sean Davis is going to jump in uh, as well in just a moment. But uh, let me go first. Actually, you know what? Sean's going to work on getting his video going. Just a moment, but I'm going to go and bring in his audio so he can just join for the start of the show. But I'm also going to go to our guy, Tyler, who always has some interesting insight to bring in. So I'm going to invite both of them on. Sean Davis, of course, will be co-hosting the show, and then Tyler will come in as well. Tyler is first in. How are you doing, Tyler? Hey, what's up, Trevor? Uh, it was good to see the Miami Heat. Um be able to win a game against the Nuggets, something that we weren't able to do, unfortunately. So uh, I don't really have a rooting interest in the finals, but I would like to see Jimmy Butler win win a ring. So I'm in agreement with that. I, I'm also in the same way. Like, I don't really care if it's Denver, if it's Miami, whatever. I'm not losing sleep over it. It's not like if Boston was there, but uh, if Miami wins it, great. I, I, that would be my preference. It would be to see Miami win it because it's just cool to see an eight seed win it, to see Jimmy Butler win it. Mike Malone complained a bunch and everything. So that would be, you know, kind of funny if, if he didn't win it. But I don't care that much if the Nuggets are a very good team. If they win it, great. Um, but let me ask you this. There was there was a response on social media, a very negative response from Lakers fans after Miami won with Lakers fans upset saying, how could Miami win a game against Denver and we couldn't? And it surprised me a little bit that there was so much. I was just caught up in the game itself and excited that now we've got a competitive series and it's not just going to be a route by, by Denver. But there were a lot of people who took that as a slight to the Lakers somehow, as somehow a negative uh, about the Lakers, that the Lakers got swept and Miami already took one game. And so there was this negative backlash from Lakers fans. I, I was a little bit surprised by that. What do you think about that? particular dynamic uh yeah i honestly like when i watch the game like i don't i don't like try to like point out like specific reasons why miami was like better 
in certain ways that they could get to Denver better. Because I still feel like the Nuggets were able to execute, but like down the stretch, I think Miami was that they were making the shots that they needed to. Like like start of the fourth quarter, Duncan Robinson went on an like an eight zero run all by himself, and then. And then they had other guys contributing, like shooting the ball really good. Jimmy Butler finally got going at the end of the game. So it's just like stuff like that in the game that gave Miami the edge, which I think the Lakers weren't able to get in the, in their series. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, sometimes it just comes down to making, making shots, and Duncan Robinson made shots that D'Angelo Russell missed. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as that, but – um, and look, I'm kind of, I'm past the Lakers and the Nuggets series. I've, I've put that behind me and I'm just hoping that Miami and, and Denver winds up. I hope it goes seven. So we get as much basketball as possible. And there is as little downtime between the end of the finals and the start of the NBA draft, which is also going to be a blast. Uh, Tyler, what else is on your mind? Uh, Lakers related here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm looking forward to the draft a lot. Um, I've been looking at two guys, which we uh, we've talked about a little bit. Jordan Hawkins and Jet Howard are two guys that I'm looking at. But one guy I really would like to take at 17 if he's there is Derek Lively. Um, I think he's more like a project player that we could look at down the line of like the future of the Lakers. Um, I want to say he's like most necessarily the most NBA ready out of all of them, but he he's working on developing a shot. I watched him a lot at Duke. Um, very good shot blocker, very good size. Like I said, he's developing his shot. So if we can get him, he would be like our sort of backup center role that I think he could bring a little more than what Mo Obama did in his very few chances that he got with us. Uh, more than winning Gabriel, I would say too. Uh, so I, w- I would really like him at 17. So what, what are your thoughts on him if you've uh, done any research on him? So I have. I like him defensively a lot. I like him as a lob threat. I think whether or not you could play him alongside AD comes down to can that three-point shot really come around and can it translate? I'm a little bit worried about the clunkiness on the offensive end, um, how prone he is to fouling, but the shot-blocking instincts are fantastic, and that's obviously very, very enticing. But let me kick it over here to Sean Davis, who is uh, our, our draft guy. I am deep into my draft analysis at this point, but Sean has done even more draft analysis than I have by, by a considerable amount. And Sean, I am in the middle right now of editing a video you did where you went through your top guys for the 17th pick um, that you think the Lakers should select. And as I recall, Derek Lively was like the last of your honorable mention guys. Like he wasn't even in the top five selections that you wanted to see with the 17th pick. So that to me suggests you're a little bit more down on lively compared to what some other mock drafts have. What's your take on, on him? How do you feel about him as a potential selection at 17? He was, by the way, in the Lakers facility. I think it was yesterday for his workout. Yep. Yeah. So I like Derek lively, but I think he's probably one of the more polarizing guys in this draft class. You'll, you'll see a mock draft where Derek lively is projected to go like 12. And then you'll have, a mock like mine, I think mock 2.0 I did with Ron Gutterman on the NBA front office show, where I think we had Derek Lively going early 20. So I like Derek Lively a lot. I think for the points that you brought up, Trevor, about the defense, the, the rim protection, the lob threat ability, there's a ton of stuff to like, but like the offensive fit just isn't enough for me to, to sell me on Derek Lively. I think he's an upside ploy, so I won't hate the pick, but... 
some of the names that Tyler mentioned, Jordan Hawkins is number one with a bullet at pick 17 um, for me. But I like Derek Lively. It's just his offense. He doesn't have a post bag either. So, like, offensively, Derek Lively is literally a lob throw or a dump off, dude, which is good enough to get you 15 minutes a game. But we talk about bigs next to AD. I'm going to throw a name out there that I don't know if a lot of people have heard of, but I think this is a better fit and this would be a trade down candidate. Noah Clowney out of Alabama. He's mm. kind of a four stretch five ish guy, but can shoot the three offensively, which is what you look for. Can switch out and guard three through five defensively, um, which I think gives you some versatility, added versatility paired next to Anthony Davis. So I think that's a better fit right now for what the Lakers need than a Derek Lively personally. Like, like Tyler, if you had, if Jordan Hawkins and Derek Lively are sitting there, which one are you taking? Because it feels like we're starting to build more and more momentum towards Hawkins, at least in the NBA Twitter sphere and social media and, and all of that, the general, which may not align with what the Lakers actually think at all, but it feels like things are shifting that direction. Which one are you taking if Lively and Hawkins are sitting there? Ooh, you really put me on the spot with that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I, th- I think a lot of the signs are pointing towards Jordan Hawkins. I think, um, but my other question about the draft was: so if there's, I feel like there's so many choices that the Lakers can take. If if they can, or like if they want to, would you consider trading back at all? Yeah, sounds big on trading back. Yes, absolutely. Only if, like, let, trade back only if you're a guy. Man, maybe the Lakers guy isn't Jordan Hawkins. Like Trevor mentioned, I think everybody's saying Jordan Hawkins because I think everybody recognizes that that's probably the perfect fit. But let's say the Lakers guy is, I don't know, Kobe Bufkin, right? And he goes, whose draft stock has rose, risen a ton recently, and he goes late lottery or, like, 15th pick or something, right? I'm throwing a random number out there. If that's your guy, then that's a perfect situation where, okay, my guy gets taken, let's trade back, and let's trade back on a list, call up Brooklyn maybe for 22, trade back, maybe you get like a Royce O'Neal, who knows, and you st- you're still picking from a pretty daggone good crop of guys that you're most likely going to be still picking from a 17. So I'm a big proponent of trading back, especially if your number one guy is taken. Yeah. I'm in agreement with that. I think that there's going to be now, depending on how the draft plays out, it's possible that there's a tier break after like 19 or so, something like that. But again, it depends on how the draft plays out. I think that usually by this point of the draft by 17, some guys have jumped up a little bit higher than you expected. And that might push some guys back a little bit further than expected too. So it's rare that at, by the time you get to 17, that the draft is going chalk. Be, I mean, look, we know who number one is, but the draft really starts at number two. But there's going to be some teams that fall in love with a certain player, take them a little bit earlier than expected. And so that might give the Lakers some opportunities to move back and still get a guy uh, at whatever, say it's 22, 23, wherever they, they wind up dropping back to. Um, that can be very, very good. So there's going to be some opportunities here for the Lakers. You could move up potentially, although I think it's more likely they either just stay at 17 or move back or move out more, move out altogether and just trade trade the pick. Tyler, what is it? What would it take for you to trade the pick? What do you need? Um, to trade the pick, um... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Well, like if if we trade the pick, like I don't know exactly. Like, do we want? I would definitely say like a shooter that come off the bench. Like, I know we look at some guys. Like, could we get a guy like Cam Johnson, a Seth Curry, like some like that? If we trade the pick, well, Seth Curry is going to be a free agent, so that's you would have to you could just sign him. But but Cam Johnson, same thing. He's going to need a new contract. So then we'd be talking about a sign and trade situation there. Um which is difficult to execute on draft night. Um, look, if you could get Cam, if you could get Cam Johnson, I would do that. If there was some way to say, hey, you know, who, who we take at seventeen, the Nets are going to sign and trade Cam Johnson for it once he can sign a contract. Like if you could do that somehow, and obviously some other stuff would have to be attached to seventeen, I'd be very much interested in that. But sure, if you could find a shooter, just in general, if you could find the right shooter. I think you'd have to listen. To me, it's just, it's got to be somebody who's at least starting caliber. That's I think that's the yeah. quality of this draft and how good the prospect is at 17. It's got to be somebody, maybe they don't actually start for you, but it has to be a starting caliber player in, in order for me to move it. That's the bar I'd be setting if I'm the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but the last question I'll leave you with, um, I know uh, on the last podcast, we talked about Dennis Schroeder a little bit and uh, people like kind of going back and forth of wanting him, wanting to bring him back. I would like to see Schroeder back on the team. I, I think he really improved his defensive game. He takes a lot of pride in that. I really think he took a step forward. Like we saw him chasing around Curry in the playoffs. We saw him chasing around Jamal Murray. He he just gives us that little bit of extra energy that we need sometimes when we're like in a rut on the court. We we're not getting our shot going. So. Uh, what's your interest level in bringing him back? Yeah, I mean, on the for the right price, I'd have no problem with that. I might, I think my stance on Dennis Schroeder has stayed the same for years, and that's if he's your backup point guard, you feel pretty good. Uh, you've got one of the better backup point guards in the NBA. If he's your starter, you're probably wanting a little bit, a little bit more. So if you, as long as you have somebody starting and Schroeder is your backup, and you can get him on a reasonable price, you're not, you know. Not four years, eighty-four million anymore. That that ship has sailed. 
Um, that's I'm okay with that. I, I'd be more than happy to see Dennis Schroeder brought back. I think he was a nice fit for the Lakers this year. My only concern is that it's not like a three or four year deal or something. I mean, he's going to be, he's what, 30. He's a speed based player. Sometimes those guards that are very reliant on speed, they drop off quick than Kemba Walker. So if I'm the Lakers, I want to mitigate my long-term risk by making it a one, two year deal tops with Schroeder. But otherwise, yeah, I have no problem with bringing him back. Yeah, I'll, I'll just bring him. I'll bring him back to the right place. I definitely don't want to overpay him because uh, that can lead to. Uh, we've seen that with other teams before, and how, see how that's played out. For example, Jordan Poole. <laughs> yes, yes. My goodness, Golden State. They're. I don't know what they're going to do. Like now that we've got the whole super tax thing in place, that Jordan Poole contract is a mess. That's going to be. I don't know what they, they might have to just find somebody to dump Jordan Poole on because of that whole situation, but we'll see how they actually play that. But uh, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for bringing me on. I hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too. Oh man. Uh, somebody in the chat right now is talking about going back and getting Hunter Simpson is talking about going back and getting jet Howard uh, or Max Lewis with the 23rd pick and Royce O'Neal. Let me ask you this, Sean. If, if Hawkins is there at 17, would you move back to 23 and take, and let's say it's Jet Howard, Jet Howard and Royce O'Neal or Jordan Hawkins? What would you do? Uh, I take Jordan Hawkins only because I don't think Jet Howard's going to be there. So a little bit yeah. like of like but, foreshadowing. But if he was, if, let, let's just say, let's was, say, yeah, if he's there, I'd probably do the deal. I'd probably trade back. Like if you can guarantee okay. me that Jet Howard or Max Lewis is going to be there at 22, 23, that I trade back and I do it. Yeah. If, if we say the Lakers are their their Intel is telling them that Jet Howard is going to be there at 23, you make that move. I mean, you could even agree to it in principle and say, Hey, as long as our guy is there at 23 and then go, and then if he's there at 23, you make the you make the swap and you just you trade the guy. You pick the guy from for Brooklyn at 17. Maybe it is uh maybe it is Jordan Hawkins. And you know, and worst case, if your guy isn't there at 23, you go, oh bummer, we just keep Jordan Hawkins then, right? So yeah. um in any event, all right, let's let's bring in another caller here. By the way, those of you again joining over on AMP, very easy to call in. The call in line is open. Uh, I've got a bunch of people in, in here waiting, but again, you can always always submit. And uh, see if you get picked to join the show. Uh, speaking of which, again, in Las Vegas, you're going to have an opportunity for at least one Lakers Nation fan to join us in studio. Should be on camera and be part of the show in a professional studio at Blue Wire Studios at the Win. Um, we're going to have you, uh, somebody come on for a segment, at least a segment to join the show. It'll be either uh, July 7th or 8th. So if you're going to be in Vegas for Summer League anyway, you're coming into town, all you got to do is email me a sample of yourself talking Lakers basketball, trevor at mediumlargela.com. Send me that email uh, of yourself talking Lakers basketball, and if you get picked, then you get to come in to the studio with us. Come sit at the desk, join us for a segment, give your take on the Lakers, things that have gone on this, this offseason. We'll go out to lunch afterwards. We'll take you out. We'll have a good time. Come join us for that. So, again, this is your opportunity. If you ever wanted to be on camera, on the show, this is your chance to do it. 
Um, just email me a sample of yourself talking Lakers basketball, Trevor at mediumlargela.com. That's the way to do it. All right. Um, let's see here. Looks like the person I was bringing in was not able to come in. Really quick, while Trevor me? finds his next person, I highly encourage you guys to send your submissions in. Blue Wire Studio is freaking awesome. Be a fun time for you guys to sit down with uh, Trev and talk Lakers basketball in studio. That'd be a ton of fun for you guys. Yeah, it, it would be absolutely a blast. It is like, I love it every time I get to go into the studio there and, and do something. It is so, so cool. And it, what I love is, especially during Summer League, it's awesome. Because yeah. Let me paint the picture for you guys. So the studio itself, there is a glass wall on one side of it that goes out to the wind, right? Goes out to the wind, the casino. And so everybody that's in the wind can see our studio as we're recording the show. And they blast the show out on speakers so that people who are walking around out there can actually hear us recording. So it's not even just a, a recording of the show, but you're kind of putting on a live show at the same time because there is an audience that will be there, right? At, uh, and usually they're they're walking by. A lot of times people stop. They take pictures, all kinds of stuff. But it's an added element to it that you don't see in most studios. So you actually get to uh, have a discussion for a live audience as well, which is very, very cool, in addition to being in this amazing studio and, and all of that. So check it out. Come join us. Shoot me that submission, Trevor at mediumlargela.com. All right, jumping in now. It's the guy who was talking about Jed Howard and moving back in the draft, Hunter Simpson. Hunter, how are you doing? Doing good. How y'all doing? Good. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. What would you like to chat about? Uh, first off, I just wanted to see like what your top three um, like uh, draft prospects you want to see on the Lakers. Because I have a list of three that I would like to see, like fit-wise. Well, um, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Trev. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to um, say, obviously, like it's got to be within the within. It's got to be realistic. Like, it can't be Victor Victor Wembanyama or anything like that. Come on now, Trev. Brandon Miller can fall to seventeen. Come on. <laughs> it's not happening. The Thompson twins aren't falling to seventeen, but but realistic. Like, Sean, I, I know Jordan Hawkins is the top of your list. I think he's probably the top of my list as well. Where do we go from there? Um, I'm enamored like a Kobe Bufkin. I, he's somewhere ah, in my that's, top three. That's my um, number two. That's my number two is Kobe Bufkin. And then if I had to pick a third, uh, I don't know. Third's kind of hard because I think there's a bunch of different guys like I, if I have to pick, I guess, like, a Bryce Entenbaugh because I'm higher on him than most. Another, like, really mm -hmm. polarizing guy. Like, super high upside, elite three-level score, but he's terrible defensively, maybe even worse like a Jet Howard. Um, and that might cost him if he doesn't go late lottery or in the middle of the teens is that defense. But, like, body-wise, very THT built, if that makes sense. Not the the, like, how he plays at all. But three level scorer can get you some some fast food. I call them Taco Bell buckets. I think in that uh that draft video that's gonna get posted soon. So yeah, those are probably my three. Okay, so my dream scenario is somehow Casein Wallace is there. Ah, uh, he just but canceled his his workout with the Hawks. I saw that he just canceled his workout with the Hawks, and that's at fifteen. So that tells me somebody 
below 15 probably promised to take him. So I'm thinking, unless maybe the Lakers promised him and he's pulling an Austin Reeves and he's trying to convince teams <laughs> not to take him. But I think that means somebody is taking him um, below where the Lakers would be picking. So that was my dream was that that Case and Wallace would fall. As far as my third, though, you know, it's hard. Like, I do like Derek Lively. I like the, the potential. I like the upside of him. Um if it's not Kobe Bufkin, if it's not uh, if it's not Jordan Howard, I don't think Koulibaly is going to make it. He'd be a guy I'd take a gamble on too. But unfortunately, it's a lot of guys that I don't know make it there, make it quite that far. Yeah. You know, Chris, I'll say this though: Chris Murray is a guy who caught my eye, but that's one See, I wonder: do you just do you just trade back? You trade back. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. I guess, but like, he's an NBA ready player for sure. But, like, that's just super low upside, like, to the point where it's not even worth it at 17. Right. Yeah, I was thinking my mine where Jordan Hawkins, I think he's going to go earlier just because simply a lot of teams need a movement shooter like him and someone obviously championship pedigree already out of college. Yeah. But yeah. besides him, if he does make it, he's one. But my other three would be Maxwell Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh like Gigi Jackson, and then the dude, the dude that plays with Victor Bilal. Yeah, yeah Bilal Kulabali. Yeah, he's man, he's lanky as hell, but he's definitely on my list for like high upside prospect that you can probably get. Like, especially if you trade back, I think he'll be there in the twenties. I don't know if you will. I'll, I'll, I've seen uh, like I've got mocks with him as like a late lottery guy. Um, yeah, him to like the. Jalen Williams of this year's draft where he's just shooting up. But yeah. Yeah, everything everything I've heard says he's going 12 to OKC. That would be uh, that would be interesting. That would, that would be, be such an OKC pick by the way. It would. They can take time to develop someone. Trev, I want to know your th- love to trade back. Just get a get a role player like a Buddy Heald or Royce O'Neal and then just there's so many deep wings that you can pick at like 23, 24. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would be satisfied getting a play now and then a guy that can develop. So, Trev, question for you, because I'm, I'm curious yep. your thoughts about Gigi Jackson at 17. I'm personally a no. I, I like Gigi, but me personally, I'm a pretty firm no. What are your thoughts if you've looked at Gigi yet? You know, I haven't done a deep dive on, on Gigi yet. He's on my list. He's coming. I'll probably get to him today. But... My initial just gut based on what I'm seeing mocked in most places, it's could he be could you be a trade back candidate where you just mm. you move back a few slots and, and could you potentially still get it? I don't know. Maybe not. Depends on how everything plays out. And obviously this is going to be very fluid as we get closer and closer to the 22nd. But that would be there's enough guys where I'm like, eh, you know, this guy might be a, a pick to go with. That if I can move back a few slots, like if I can move back to 21 or 22 with Brooklyn and potentially get them there, then I think it becomes more interesting. Like the guys that I'm going to take that I'm staying at 17 to take are guys like Jordan Hawkins, guys like um, like Kaysen Wallace, if he's there, Koulibaly. Uh, if Kobe Bufkin is there, that's another one that I'm probably picking at 17. But other than that, that's where I'm. If I'm not getting one of those guys, that's where I'm going to look at moving back in my mind. Anyway, what's your analysis? I'm sure you've already done your 
your breakdown of him. Yeah, so I like Gigi Jackson. I actually have him mocked close to the Lakers, like a pick or two before the Lakers in both okay. of my two previous mocks. Um, again, three-level score, but super, super raw. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense how raw of a prospect he is. And for me personally, where we're talking about LeBron's final year potentially in L.A., unless the Lakers draft Bronny next year, I don't know if I want to take such a high gamble at 17. Now, to the point that Hunter brings up, if you trade back to, let's say, 22 and you get an NBA-ready player in that deal, again, like a la Royce O'Neal, then 22, in my opinion, becomes the upside pick. Like, if a, if a Gigi Jackson is still there at 22, if mm-hmm. Derek Lively, for some reason, sure. is still there at 22, then it's, okay, Bryce Ensibog, whoever, right? It's, okay, let's just take high upside here while still being a good basketball player. Um, 17, especially if you don't trade back, you don't get an NBA ready player in a trade back 17 becomes, okay, let's get, in my opinion, at least let's get the, a good player, but still like as close to a good fit as possible. Jordan Hawkins, potentially Kobe Bufkin, uh, Jet Howard, even Chris Murray. I wouldn't mind, I guess, because of the fit. I think we're talking about trying to maximize this year's team. I think you need a guy that's a good basketball player. That's a good fit day one. I think that's kind of the best of both worlds approach, right? You trade back and you take a high upside guy while picking up a win now piece for LeBron in the meantime. If it's a Royce O'Neal, a Buddy Heald, whoever we want to talk about, you're getting that veteran player that can help you win right now while also getting that guy that can be part of your future post-LeBron. That is what is interesting to me is if you do have a guy that you want to swing for the fences on, if you can trade back to get him, you can maybe do both things. And look, the Warriors showed us that it's very difficult to try to develop two timelines at the same time. It did not work out for them. The Lakers knocked them out in round two. Goodbye, defending champs. Um, but there we go. There's there's maybe the chance to do it there. But uh, Hunter, anything else for us before we move on? Uh, I'll just, I got one trade proposal. I'll just rehash Ooh. the Miles Turner. This is one that I haven't seen anywhere yet. So basically, you do pick up. Malik Beasley's option, Mo Bamba guarantee the money, send them out, and the 17th pick, of course, you're going to lose that. And you take back Miles Turner, and you take off the extra year on, uh, who's the guys? The little point guard there. TJ McConnell? Yeah, TJ McConnell. Like, he has two years on his contract left, I think, like nine mil. You take him back because they're trying to clear cap. And then he's our Dennis Schroeder replacement. We don't need to worry about using, like, the mid-level on Schroeder. And like maybe you throw in an extra second, but it helps them unload money. They get the first, they get a young shooter, and then maybe Mobamba can rehash his value there. So from a cap perspective, if you're gonna you're essentially you're you're picking up Beasley, you're picking up Mobamba, you're picking up both of those contracts. So that's twenty-seven-ish million in salaries that you're adding to your books. You're flipping that, and it's becoming TJ McConnell. And and I don't recall McConnell's contract off the top of my head. I know. Um, okay. And so he'll, he's like 21 if you round up Miles Turner. Um, so then you're actually taking on some money. So essentially, your opportunity cost would be most likely, again, depending on what happens with Reeves, with Rui, with Delo, with some of the other things that they're doing. Most likely, though, your opportunity cost would be your mid-level exception and biannual exception. I think you'd be too close to the hard cap to use those if you added Turner and and, uh, and McConnell. Now, that said, 
I, I think I would probably, I would do it just strictly from a value perspective. I think it's great value. Uh, my stopping point is I don't think the Pacers would do it. Sean, could yeah. you see the, the Pacers, the Pacers doing that? Give 17 essentially for miles Turner. And yeah, you're absorbing some salary or some, a little bit of money, but I don't think they're that pressed to offload salary right now, particularly when they wanted multiple first for Turner last year. Why would they take a mid first for him this year? Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I, I get it. This is a very deep draft class. But if anything, I think Indiana will be willing to give up one of those picks. They have three first-round picks right now. They have uh, 7, 26, 29. And then you're going to have 17. Like, do we think that Indiana is going to make all four selections in this world? That's why I think Indiana is such a prime tradeback candidate uh, because they have those three first-round picks. Um, and then also to, to your point, like it was multiple first rounders for Miles Turner last year. And then essentially it's just 17, albeit in a deep draft class for Miles Turner. And that's really it. Also, I think Indiana is about to turn the corner and wants to start focusing more towards starting to try to compete and try to start to win, maximize this Halliburton and fit in Indiana. So I, I think they're also about to make a direction shift. Whereas I think doing this trade, pivots them back to okay we're still trying to rebuild if you will i think they're trying to win yeah. now personally or start to win now. yeah i can see it i kind of just looked at it as last year they wanted two picks but they didn't get they were getting westbrook which is no value really this year at least they're getting a 26 shooter 24 guy with um maybe upside i don't know if he's even going to turn into anything in mobamba but i figured like maybe that would weigh the odds Helping clean salary, but I guess nah, probably not. But if they had the 17th, they probably can trade like the 17th and like 26 for like 10 or like 17 and like the seventh pick or whatever they have, try to get in the top four. But yeah, I could see them declining it, but worth a shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, worth a shot, worth a phone call. And if they say no, they say no. And then, and then you move on from there. But, uh, but Hunter, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I, I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Take care. You too. You too. All right. Let's go on to our next caller. Let's bring in guy Mamba Mentality. Join us now and we'll talk a little bit more about this Lakers offseason and what the Lakers can potentially do. Uh, Sean, do you do you believe in a Miles Turner, Anthony Davis fit? Uh, I, I think so. Um, my only thing is, it's like, AD's most likely going to be the five and fourth quarter. So are we, this is my biggest like turning point or like, like turn down point. I don't know what the right wording is here uh, for a miles turn trade last year was like, okay, we're trading for a dude. We're giving up extra draft compensation for a dude to play 25 minutes. And because AD, I think we can all agree is going to be the five when it matters most, you get to stretch the floor out a little bit more as well. Miles Turner can do that. But you can really, really stretch the floor out. So I, I like the fit, especially defensively. It gives you more versatility. But, uh, I mean, if, if you're sold on Miles Turner closing games, then I guess my answer would be yes. Yeah, that's that's really the question. It's can you close games with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis side by side? I'm intrigued with it. I think it would be an interesting pairing. I think, obviously, the rim protection would be phenomenal. You probably lead the NBA in block shots um, almost by default. But um, I, I think it's interesting enough to where I try it. I think Miles Turner is quicker footed than most people give him credit for. So I don't think you're necessarily just 
completely helpless on the perimeter if you run AD and Turner with each other. Injury concerns for sure, but yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see if the Lakers have the opportunity to to do it. We know they had an opportunity to get him last year, but now he's on a really good contract that he got with uh, with the Pacers. So we'll see ultimately what they do Declining there. Declining contract too, right? Declining, yeah. Twenty one million this coming season, twenty million the season after, and that's it. Only two years on the books. That's that's a pretty solid deal. That's a pretty solid deal, particularly for a Lakers team where we don't know what things are going to look like after next summer, right? LeBron yeah. and AD both have player options or they, they have the ability to get out of their contracts next summer. So what the team's going to look like after 2024, we don't know. And that's part of why I would expect, uh, this is a, a different subject, but I would expect the Pelicans are going to defer the draft pick they get from the Lakers until 2025 be, just to see if LeBron and Anthony Davis do opt out and then the Lakers are suddenly in a rebuild in the 2024-2025 season. Yeah, that's probably the right, right way to go if you're in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, Mob Mentality was not able to make it in. So we'll bring on another caller here and we'll talk some more Lakers basketball on the show. I can't believe we're really 16 days away from the draft. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, 16 days away. It's sneaking up on us. Yeah. I might have to cancel my plans to go see Spider-Man and say, nope, I got draft work to do. It's only two weeks away. My bad. That's right. That's right. We've got plenty to work on in the draft. You know, I'm already looking and I'm like, man, um, my wife was talking to me about taking my daughter to swim lessons. And she's saying, well, you know, I need you to take her on the 21st. I need you to take her on the 23rd. And I'm like, I'm going to be on Yikes. red alert those days. Like that's <laughs> the day, like we're going to be knee deep in trade rumors. All kinds of things are going to be happening. We're going to be getting draft news. I'm just, you basically got to, got to figure that I'm like out of town, right? From the entire, the entire week of the draft, because there's so many trade rumors are going to be flying. All kinds of stuff's going to be going on. Yeah. We're going to be hearing things. We're going to be reporting on things. Tons of stuff is uh is going to be happening and i think this is going to be a very active trade season here for the nba uh in part because so many picks i think may be on the move when i look at portland at three dallas at 10 detroit at five i mean the lakers at 17 you think detroit's like, trading five they might i mean they wanted to win like they wanted to win last year i i don't necessarily mean they trade out completely they could trade back i could see it i could see them going that route all right, looks like he was able to get in after all. Mamba Mentality, welcome in. Are you there, Mamba Mentality? looks like you're on, but we can't hear you. I was about to say, is it my Wi-Fi again? <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not Sean's Wi-Fi. He's, he's not muted. He's not muted. He was trying to get, get on earlier, so I wonder if he's just having connection issues. Yep. Can't hear him. All right. Well, Mamba Mentality, I'm going to leave you on for a moment. We'll bring in somebody else, but um, I'll leave you on for a moment and uh, and see if it happens to to pop through and, uh, and you're able, able to get a decent connection. But we'll bring in another caller here. In the meantime, we've got G Slickerish coming in. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Um, I was gonna say first off, long time no speak. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it, 
It's been a little bit. I know it's been a little bit since we, we've been able to get you on, but welcome, welcome back on the show. Uh, how are you feeling for uh, for this Lakers offseason? Um, I'm feeling well. I, I think the first thing I kind of want to start with is it's I'm usually random, so I have something random. Um, why do players still call it film that they're going to watch film? Like usually, coaches and players say that. <laughs> is there a reason that I don't, I'm a, I'm unaware of? Uh, you mean because it's all digital now and it's not actually film? Yeah, it's been like a while. Right. Um, I, I think it's just kind of a, a hat. Like, I mean, I like I, I still say re, I still say rewind. You're not necessarily rewind. Like that's going back from rewinding a tape. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of something that that's stuck. Like as far as calling it a film room and everything like that, it's just something that that that's stuck. And just never changed with the times. And I like there's I'm trying to think of other examples of that. Like there's there, I know there's for some reason I can't think of any off the top of my mind, but um, but there's other things that like the the old phrasing phrasing for it just stuck, and it's something that we just that we just stick with. Um yeah, I mean I think that's that's it. It's not like there's a a conscious effort to do it or anything like that. It's just that's what it's always been. So that's what what people continue to call it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a super serious question. It was just, uh, it's just funny. It's like saying, uh, roll the window down or when people, yes. um, say they're going to use the phone, they kind of have their thumb and pinky out and we don't have like flip phones or old school house phones, little things like sure, that, sure. but I'm random. But, um, so I, my first like serious question is, uh, do you and Sean think the first two rounds, rounds of the playoffs this year was harder than the championship year in 2020 when they played Houston and Portland? Yes. Part of it is because you're, you were the seven seed this year, but like in general, do like this playoffs has been really fun. Like just sitting back and like looking at the storylines, the teams that were in the playoffs, like Sacramento going on, having a great season and having that first round series. And then, I mean, your two first-round matchups were the defending champs and the number two seed, whereas you faced, for the most part, a pretty bad Portland team that Damian Lillard just resurrected in that bubble. And then a Houston team that was good, but the La- I never felt like the Lakers were n- never the better team, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. That's how I look at it, at least. Trevor, what about you? Oh, Senpai NFT in the chat. Added playbook, for example. Nobody actually has a hard copy of the book. Yep, that's another good, good actually, example there. That's a lie. I do. Do you actually you have, you have a a uh, a hard copy of a playbook? Oh uh, well, I mean, like a... it's in printed out stuff in a binder. I don't know. Does that count? Playbook. Oh, that that still know. counts. Yeah, that still counts. But okay. Um, as far as was it more difficult? Yes, I, I I would say yes. And I'm looking at it from a coaching perspective. In against Portland. And against Houston, it took one game, and then Frank Vogel figured it out. He made his adjustment. And then, look, there were some other minor adjustments along the way, but that was kind of the end, right? The Lakers made their adjustment, and Houston was toast. They make their adjustment, and Portland's toast, right? Against the Warriors and against the Grizzlies, we saw the Lakers make an adjustment. There's a counter-adjustment. The Lakers have to adjust to the adjustments, and it was a lot more back and forth. 
Um, and so, yes, I think the first two rounds were more difficult than they were in 2020, even though going into the playoffs in 2020, the whole narrative was, oh my gosh, this might be the most difficult playoff run ever. Portland with Dame, they're so good. Houston is going to, they're too small. They figured out the Lakers, right? The Lakers are going to be too big and slow against this team. How are you going to stop James Harden and Russell Westbrook? And then, and then it's, oh my gosh, it's going to be the Clippers. Wait, why wasn't it the Clippers? What happened? Oh, they blew a 3-1 series lead. That's right. That's what the Clippers did that year, um, which I always love to highlight. But then it's, it's Denver. It's, okay, can the Lakers deal with this? After the fact, the narrative flipped, and suddenly it became... Well, now it you know it was actually an easy playoff run and all of that. But going into it, going into it, the all the chatter was about how difficult it was going to be. But still, big picture, yes, I think that this year's first and second round was more difficult than uh, than twenty twenty. I I agree, and there's something um, you and Sean were talking about with another caller about um, getting Miles Turner, but maybe. He wouldn't be available in the fourth quarter, maybe like in the playoffs of the more serious games. I felt that way about the D'Lo situation. I know you said uh, up to the trade line, trade him. Uh, trade deadline, maybe make a move there and keep him. But to keep him for 82 games to give LeBron a rest and then he not be a valuable asset in the playoffs would be the same thing as um, like a – the Miles Turner or someone else who they don't feel like could play because I look I think he totaled 24 points in the Western Conference Finals and Austin Reeves had maybe like 23 points in Game One and I feel like to kind of add to it and then turn give it to give it back to you I think I'm kind of going back to that playoff run but D'Lo being out there what I feel like wasn't mentioned enough is that he was a um, uh, he wasn't good on offense or defense, so that means that anytime he was out there, AD, LeBron, Austin, Schroeder, et cetera, had to make up for him on offense and had to make up and cover for him on defense. So they were actually hurt by him on both sides of the ball anytime he was out there, and I felt like that didn't get mentioned enough. Yeah, and that was, but that was one series. Right. If we're if we're convinced that that's just what D'Angelo Russell is, the guy that we saw against Denver, that's what he's going to be moving forward. Then, yeah, you don't bring him back because you're right. You're all, you're putting a net negative, a massive negative on the floor that everybody else will have to cover for. You're going to lose games more often than not because he's on the floor. If that's what he he simply is. I tend to believe that the guy that we saw post trade deadline all the way up to the Denver series so we're talking about, what, probably 25-ish games or something, that that's more the player that he actually is. Um, and if that's the case, then I think he is indeed a guy that helps take some of the pressure off LeBron, helps you get to the postseason. Now, maybe he does. Maybe it's a mental thing, and he's just struggling with the pressure of the postseason. Maybe it's the amped-up defense in the, in the postseason. But in any event, he does help you get there. Now, I'm not, because of that, because he helps you get there, I'm not letting him just walk away for nothing unless there's something, you know, you're going to have cap space and you know you're going to get a guy who's really good or, or something like that. But otherwise, I'm not letting him walk away for nothing. I'd rather bring him in. And then worst case is he helps you get to the postseason through the 82 games. 
and maybe you're you know, wishing that he could do a bit more in the postseason, but you also have the possibility to move him at or before the trade deadline and get something for him. Yep. If you let him walk, he's just gone, and you probably don't get much to replace him with. So I'm still on board with bringing D'Angelo Russell back, again, assuming it's the right contract, because I think he does help you for those 82 games. And worst case, he gets you, helps get you to the postseason with a healthier LeBron James. And that's your worst case scenario. Best case, if you don't feel like he's a good playoff performer, he helps you out through a good chunk of the season. You move him at the deadline and you add whatever piece it turns out you need, which is going to be revealed as the season goes on. You're going to have a better sense of what it is that you need. So I'm sorry, long-winded answer there. But yeah. No, no, no. I agree. I actually agree with that. I was just saying if the logic is why get a player if they won't be able to help you in the playoffs, then it should be consistent with will, well, why keep a guy? But I also, I'm not saying mm. that that's not a reason to keep him. And um, you are right that it was a serious thing, but I, I don't actually put the, I don't put it on D'Lo. I put it on Darvin Ham was my issue before the playoffs started. I remember telling my girlfriend, Darvin Ham will lose them a series. It was to me, me uh, mentioning that he was, um, he hurt the Lakers on offense and defense and everyone out there on the floor with him had to make up for him was saying that it was up to the coach to do him like Rui was done against Golden State. He wasn't as good against Golden State. So you mm -hmm. held him. He was great against the – I'm sorry? No, no, I'm agreeing with my bad. I was – keep going. Oh, no, no. Yeah, he was good in the first round and good in the third round. Uh, Golden State did it one year against Cleveland when uh, – with JaVale McGee. He didn't play the – Western Conference Finals, but he played against the Cavaliers because it made sense. I think it's up to a good coach or a competent coach. Not saying he's not competent. I think he was just going with his feelings over facts. But I'm saying it's up to the coach to not use him in that situation. Not saying that D'Lo, it was all on him because it's on the player to make the shots. But it's up to the coach to recognize who's a good, um, you know, player for that particular series. My my problem with that Denver series is every single thing that happened, we we called out. Like before the series started, it was he should probably start Rui. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make that change till what game three, maybe post game one. It was okay. Please do not go back to the three guard lineup in the starting five at least. And again, start Rui. Game two, it wasn't a three guard, but it was Vando. And for me, at least, post-game two was, okay, D'Lo can't play in this series. And it took them to game four where you're down 3-0 to not start D'Angelo Russell. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. I think at, from game two on, or like really honestly from the middle of game two on, that is when it became the coaching staff's fault um, for D'Lo. Because like, like I think what you're trying to get at, at a certain point, it becomes like the coach's fault for putting you, not putting you in a position to succeed and like honestly almost setting you up for failure, which honestly, what you get, what you kind of argue they did by continuing to start D'Angelo Russell, especially in game three, where I think the sentiment apart uh, across Lakers Nation was this is not a series for D'Angelo Russell. And that is mm -hmm. perfectly okay, like you brought up. That Warriors series, I don't even think Ruby was bad. It just wasn't a Ruby series. And I think that's another thing we identified heading into that Golden State series. Uh, Golden State series was a lot more of a three-guard series. It was a lot more of a Lonnie series. 
Um, so yeah, like that's perfectly uh, let's see LeBron James and Anthony Davis in arguably Austin. Every player needs to be reevaluated going into every series. Like, is this a series for Jared Vanderbilt or not, for example? So, like, I, I don't get the uh hesitancy, if you will, uh to wait to post game three where you're down 3-0 to make the decision that you for sure probably should have made post game two. If you made it after game one, nobody would have blamed you. So that, that that's just my thoughts there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with, with all of that that you said. Um, yeah. Lots to figure out in regards to D'Angelo Russell this, this season, but, but yeah, go ahead. I just want to leave you with this so you can go to the next caller if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, what if, it's cool. Uh, it's the first time I've been able to uh, be on with um, you and Sean. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it's cool. And also I want to leave you with um, something that's interesting. I know it's not, this isn't about the Lakers, but the Miami, I actually entered the um, competition on, on the Lakers nation, but I, I, I went with too mm-hmm. many underdogs, but I actually did pick Miami to get to the finals and I had it as a rematch with the Lakers. I was close. Um, last little nuggets I'll leave you all with. I didn't see what you think about it is I feel like if LeBron were healthy, because he averaged essentially a triple double um, on a torn tendon, I feel like the Lakers still could have won the series. Um, that's one. Two, the thing about Giannis missing the first round, and I've listened to some analysts from Fox, ESPN, et cetera, even Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe. People seem to not mention that the second leading scorer for Miami, Tyler Hero, has not played since game one as well. Like, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. And Victor Oladipo, I know he's off the bench, but I, so I think that's what they're doing is impressive. To, the fact that they're doing that without uh, another scorer like Tyler Hero is pretty big. And the last thing is who would be more, uh, the most susceptible to have their roster spot taken? from by Max Christie if the roster came back the uh, the same other excluding like Malik Beasley I guess because that one seemed pretty easy and that'll be all for me all right well hey thank you for for calling in I appreciate it yes sir thank both of you as well appreciate it okay so Sean who would I think to me who would have their roster spot taken by Max Christie or their rotation spot I, I think the easy answer is Troy Brown yeah, and I like Troy, but just because of the position, honestly, like the other name was Wenyon, but I feel like no, Max isn't mm-hmm. necessarily taking Wenyon's minutes, so he's he's in co- closest competition with Troy, and he does similar things that Troy does, but arguably better. So I think Troy is the answer. Is Wenyon back next year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if he's back or no, not. No harm in bringing Wenyan back. Well, yeah, if it's, if it's a veteran minimum, but it would be interesting if you use Wenyan as your small ball center, but you'd also have to have a, a true center as well. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. Now, if he goes for above a vet, vet minimum, I probably don't do it. Oh, that. no, go ahead, walk. Yeah, that's, that's the way I, I would look at this. That's the way I would look at at Wenyan. Is I'm probably not bringing him back if it's going to cost more than a, a better minimum uh, to do it. Uh, all right, I right, let, let's sneak in one more here at the buzzer to talk a little uh, 
a little Lakers basketball. We've got uh, plenty to do here. Still, still tons of stuff that we could talk about on this show, which is crazy. The uh, the off season of the of the NBA and of the Lakers in general being so just stocked with different topics and different things that we can dive into. It's absolutely phenomenal. But we'll bring somebody in here. Um, and then we'll we'll call it. Those of you listening over on AMP, if you haven't done so yet, please make sure that you do follow the show at Trevor Lane. Follow me here on AMP, and then we can uh, you'll get notified if you turn on notifications every time the show goes live. Then you can jump in. Idea for this time of day is hopefully people can jump in, you know, right around lunchtime or so. Put the show on in the background or whatever. What you're what you're doing if you're at work. Hopefully, if you can kind of listen to the radio, listen to music or something, you can put the show on. That's the idea. And then in the evenings, Monday night, Wednesday night. We do our uh, 8 o'clock Pacific time live show on YouTube. Also goes live at 2 o'clock Pacific time on Fridays to help kick off the weekend for Fun Friday. Uh, let me see. Looks like the guy that we were bringing in was not able to make it on. So we'll try another one here. To go back really quick to that conversation about like film and why do we call it film. I also like yeah. go back and forth between calling it film and calling it tape. I do both. Like especially if I'm referring to a player. So like. And the Jordan Hawkins player profile on the channel, I might have said, when you take a look at Jordan Hawkinson's tape, like, I don't know, personally, I think I, I use both. Yeah, I, I think about that. Like, like when we say rewind something, like you're not actually rewinding it, right? Because yeah. it's not wound to begin with. Like it, when we go back to like VHS tapes or cassette tapes and, thing, and things like that, um, it's just what kind of gets stuck and it be, takes on you know, a different meaning than what it initially was. Although we were over two there. Another one who was not able to jump in. Maybe they thought the show was already over. We're doing a little overtime here. Doing a little bit of overtime. I oh, know. Good. Normally we would, we would end, a, end in an hour, but I figured why not? So we'll bring... There we go. Sal Guerrero wants to come in. Sal, how are you doing? Oh, how are you guys doing? Doing Good. well, doing well. Want to do a little overtime here and uh, get get your thoughts. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling? What What are your thoughts right now? I appreciate the the acceptance from the call, but uh, I was just looking at it. I was like, for the off season now that we have uh, a little over a week, uh, trying to assess the roster and uh, and trying to look at the kind of looking at the. Uh, Drafts. Hopefully, uh, Sean will update us on some uh, prospects or look over the videos and try to see gaze the draft process. Yeah, I mean it's going to be it's going to be a busy time leading up to the draft. Sean has a video. This is not on Sean. This is on me. While I was traveling, I blew it and I mixed up two videos. Sean did two videos. I thought he had done one for front office, so I edited that and posted it for front office. And I'm like, I'm good. And then I think it was yesterday, it was the day before, Sean was like, uh, what happened to the other video that I did? <laughs> uh, so I am I am midway through. In fact, I was in the middle of editing that as I was fighting to keep my eyes open when the whole LeBron Kyrie thing broke yesterday. So I'm going to post, uh, Sean did a whole video breaking down five his top five draft prospects for the 17th pick. Plus, he did some honorable mentions. That should come out. I Hopefully, we'll get that out later today. Worst case, it'll be first thing tomorrow, depending on if news breaks. I have to do another front office show. But so, yeah, there is more draft content coming. And, Sean, do you have anything else planned that you're going to do for uh, for draft stuff before? Obviously, we've got over two weeks before we get to draft day. 
Uh, I'm going to do some more player uh, profiles for the channel, for Lakers Nation, like talking about player-specific targets for the Lakers. Going to try to do some live film breakdowns on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. I, I posted a poll on Twitter. You guys said you guys wanted to do a Jordan Hawkins once. We could do that. And then two more mock drafts and then potentially a big board, like top 50, top 100, whatever. That, those stuff would be on front office as well. And I have a couple of draft post-draft ideas I actually need to talk to Trevor about. But yeah, so yeah, it's going to be a, a bunch of draft stuff leading up to the draft and then even a, a few days after. So plenty of things in the works. That's that's the, the bottom line. That's the answer. Yes, there's a bunch of draft stuff that's going to be coming up, Sal. Okay, great. Yeah, no, because I was looking at, but I'm, uh, like I said, uh, like I'm well, I'm leaning towards uh, trying to see if we can get hopefully like a center, but because looking at how everything is right now in the NBA, it's like a good center is really hard to come by. So I was like, because we missed out big time on uh, Mitchell Robinson when we had the chance to draft him. Right now, he would have been a perfect. Uh, I think he would have been perfect with AD, but uh, well. Yeah, that was when they took uh, Mo Wagner instead. That was one of the rare oh, draft man. misses. One of the rare draft misses for the Lakers. Um, yeah, PTSD. they took Mo Wagner at that point. Yeah. So. Yep. That's yeah. That's why I was looking at that. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how everybody feels about to see if we uh, for Derek Lively. I was kind of looking at him, but I was like, he's a little, a little raw too. But I was like, he has potential, but. Uh, Lakers do kind of do need somebody to be pretty much NBA ready for like a center at least. Yeah, ideally it would be nice to get somebody who can come in and contribute right away. Lively, I think, might take a little bit of work. And that's kind of centers in general is it can take, unless it's, yeah, you know, like the, the last guy that we had come in was like, what, DeAndre Aiden, where you knew, okay, he's plug and play. You're going to put him in immediately. Centers sometimes take a little bit of time to develop. Um, and I think that would be the case with uh, with Lively. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I was looking. Yeah, I was looking at the Hawkins too. I was like, uh, maybe, but yeah, I, I, I was like, uh, hopefully, Sean would uh, see, kind of help me with the who is who and how how they're playing, how they would fit with the Lakers too. But yeah, I was like, yeah, we'll see though. I mean, just in a couple of weeks, so see what happens. Yeah, plenty of time for a lot of stuff to happen. Uh, trade talks are going to pick up over the next uh, couple of weeks here leading up to the draft. Uh, some picks might be on the move and, and plenty to get into as far as all that's concerned because there's going to be uh, a lot, a lot, I think, going on. I think it's going to be a really active draft in terms of trades, and that can definitely shift things on the board. But uh, anyway, Sal, thank you so much for, for calling in, man. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Uh, have a great day. All right, you, you too. too. Have a good one. All right. Well, Sean, I think we'll wrap things up there. Um, plenty to work on. I've got to get your draft video finished and get that out there. Um, another episode of the Front Office Show is coming out later today. We've got lots and lots of stuff going on. So again, uh, if you're not following us over on AMP yet, make sure you do. Just download the AMP app. And then uh, if you have iOS, you can come call into the show. Uh, but download the app and then you can find the show at Trevor Lane. That's all you got to search for. And you can follow the show. Make sure you subscribe. Then everybody over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications. And then, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, make sure you do subscribe and give us that five-star rating and review. 
Oh boy, Sean, it's going to be a busy next couple of weeks, but I can't wait. I can't wait for the draft and all the trade talks and everything that's going to come with it. Oh, I'm so excited, dude. And uh, I'm just going to correct you. Busy couple of weeks. Busy like next month. The next yes. month is going to be crazy. So I'm I'm pumped leading all the way up to Summer League. It really is. It's going to be a blast. And we are going to be very, very, very busy. So, And I love it. I love it. I can't wait. So everybody, thank you again for joining us. Make sure you are following us at all the different places, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then over on AMP, just search my name, Trevor Lane. You can find the show there as well. Until next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.